0: Hey guys, Kurt here. I am by myself, but I'm not alone. I've got a nice interview today. But before we get into that, you know how they say like, they say, you know, like, in space, no one can hear you scream. And it's like, yeah, if somebody's with you, of course they're going to hear you scream, you know? I understand probably if you're out in the dead of, you know, space and stuff like that, no one will hear you if you're, you know, I mean, no one wants it. I mean, you wouldn't even know that probably. You'd probably be dead by then, so it wouldn't matter. And then for Star Trek, they're like, you know, space, the final frontier. And I I think we probably know that's probably not, that's probably not true either. There's probably more things that are out there and stuff like that. We haven't even become, you know, there's, there's like stuff in our, you know, I just found out that there are like little things that live in your eyebrows that like help keep your eyebrows from going crazy. And I'm like, there's just, there's just too many things out in this world. So you just never know. There's just a bunch. Okay. I'm rambling. I need to get off of the rambling part. Um, but today we're going to be talking about a game that kind of has to do with space. So you have escaped both the virus-ridden space station and the clutches of the station's computer. That game is Sensor Ghost, and we are talking with Janice Turner from Ren Games. Janice, thanks for coming on.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on.
0: No problem. So I'm going to ask the question I ask everybody the first time they come on. So how did you get into gaming?
1: I... Bit a bit bit of chance, really. Um, I would just been sort of hearing about it from work. So I work in engineering, so I guess a uh, relatively geeky area um, uh, in terms of so background with physics and that sort of things, and uh, in space science. Funnily enough, would you believe? And I've been hearing like rumours about it, and uh, I just came home one evening and said to my husband, "Do so, what's all this about board games? It seems to be like coming back kind of thing." And he said, "Oh." they said that. Um, there's one arriving tomorrow. And um, next day, pandemic arrived. And that was pretty much the next two months of our life. <laughs> um, played pretty much every iteration of it, um, every expansion of it, we could get our hands on it. And we were just absolutely hooked. And then um, it just expanded from there. And we have focused uh, our time almost exclusively on cooperative games. We had perhaps maybe 60-40 split in the early days of cooperative versus competitive um, but now, I'd say less than 10% of our collection is competitive, it's almost all cooperative, And And um, yeah, we don't play them as much as we used to. When you're designing games, some of your playing game time goes to designing games. Um, and also with two young children, um, the time and having the mental capacity to play games is uh, also decreases. But it's, it's a phase in life, we're looking forward to getting back to it. And um, we think probably in the not too distant future, we hopefully will be able to get back to playing more games.
0: I love that. Like, it feels like everybody's like first pl- a game that they've played that got them into like the bigger hobby of board games is Pandemic. Like, it's just like everybody, everybody just loves that game. So it's just it's crazy to see how that is that spanned throughout, you know, internationally. Crazy to think that that that's the one game that everybody's just you know in love with.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's just a fantastic game. It's um, it's the fact I think that it's cooperative is quite novel, particularly back then. When it was released, it was a very novel idea, and um, it's very well-balanced and fine-tuned. Um, it's very easy to learn. It's just, it's a really great example of a game, and one to, I think, for every, every designer to aspire to.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then I've made some great sort of um, reworks of it mm. as well. So, um, yeah, they're, they're really good. We sort of love Pandemic Iberia, and that's like now our go-to version of it. And we haven't tried Rising Tide yet, but uh, we've got it on the shelf waiting to play at some point.
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, and no, it's a fantastic. Yeah, game. that's it's a good point too. That you know, a lot of times when you see things, and they just come out with more and more of the you know similar style of a game. You know, say with Pandemic. You know, you think people would just be like, okay, I don't, I don't need another Pandemic game. I mean, how many of these things do we need? But like every iteration has been wonderful. You know, so it's hats off to Matt Leacock and his <laughs> team and the other people that have made the other games that don't quite have his name on you know he's kind of started it but some people have their names on them instead but whatever but it's just cool to see that you know everyone has you know loved that game with uh, open arms so uh getting back on track so then how did how did you and your husband Stu get into designing board games then
1: so first started um designing when i was on maternity leave with my oldest so it's a few years ago so she's coming up for this summer um and i was sort of going have we'd had like been playing lots of games and it was in the early days when she still pretty much slept the entire time we had a baby that slept i'm sorry to everyone that has a baby that doesn't
0: sleep
1: but uh, <laughs> we had a baby that just slept pretty much for the first three months of her life <laughs> um and i sort of went to bed and um there was always like the night feeds and stuff and i was just sort of as i was drifting off i just came up the idea with a game and uh I just sort of I sort of made notes of it on my phone and then sort of went to sleep and nothing more about it. And then I sort of mentioned it to Stuart a couple of weeks later and said, well, that sounds like a really good idea. You should make it. And when you become a parent and stuff, it just, everything becomes about the child and everything that you do for you kind of disappears. And I'd like, wasn't me really doing any hobbies. I wasn't at work and it was just something that I could do, which was more for me, but also I could do with Stu. So I would sort of do. It it works very much, and so I do sort of the concept and the game design and get it workable, and then sit down. And he goes through it and says, "Don't like this. Don't like this. That doesn't work. How can we make this better?" And sort of rips out 50 to 60 percent of it and then goes through the loop again but it was just something that i could do and then also something we could do together and um it just worked out really well and it's just uh so that was a game called the Maiden voyage which i've shelved for now it was too complex for a first game it was too much and i basically i just don't have the time to play test it with two (laughs) young two little people running around and then there was a board game geek contest for sort of the mint tin and i decided well yeah it would be good to interact with other designers it would be a good way to push me to finish something and that was how um assembly was born i went to sleep one night and tried to think up an idea i thought oh, i really like clock patients i really love that sort of circle kind of idea and then what could i do with that and um next morning i prototyped it up it worked and uh, a couple of weeks later i had a, a working game mechanic um, which got submitted into the Mintin design contest uh Several years ago now, I think it's 2016. So, uh, yeah, that was how, how we how we got into it. Um, and then kind of sat on the design once I went back to work because it was like back to work full-time, new job, and uh, new <laughs> child as well. <laughs> Quite a shock, I must say. And, well, yeah, and just like sat on it, and then I had my second child, and I thought, all right, now's the time to publish. <laughs> and uh, so uh, off we did, we published it, and thought, well, I've published that one now. Let, let, let's make another one. And um, yeah, that, that's kind of how it how it all started. But um, there's no 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 more children coming. The two is the perfect number, in my eyes, um, for for us as a couple. And um, hopefully, there will be more, more than two games.
0: Oh, that's funny. So, you know, when it comes to making these games, so with Assembly and with Sensor Ghost, they're both one or two player games. So, basically, you know, because you guys are spending so much time at home and at work and with your kids and stuff like that, you probably don't have a lot of time to you know, get a gaming group going and do a lot of, you know, playtesting unless you're doing it yourself. So is is that pretty much how the solo and two player versions of these games kind of surfaced?
1: Yeah, so I designed the game solo and so of the game mode that has the most playtesting is absolutely the solo version. That one gets right but because both of them are fundamentally a puzzle, I don't see that as really a problem because if the puzzle works at solo it's going to work at the different player counts even if I add a slight different slant onto it it's just about a little bit of fine tuning and balancing um so yeah it gets played solo over and over again and then it gets modified to two player which is why I think um it's been sort of said that the two players are a bit of a different experience because it's it is the same game but it's different but yes it's um it's a bit hard to get game groups together because you have interruptions and um, we often try and get together with another couple who has a child similar age to our youngest but it sort of you have multiple interruptions in the evening and um yeah, it's, it's just tough. it's hard <laughs> but yeah that's that's why it's a sort of like a 10 to 20 minute game because if it's mm-hmm. into nap times um which is absolutely ideal or it's if you can it's sort of when you get home from work in your own bed it's not sort of like too taxing on the mind and it's not too much time because it's like if we've got an hour to ourselves in the evening (laughs) we're lucky at the moment so yeah yeah it's definitely just the the sort of thing that we can fit in in with our lifestyle and i think there's not enough of them i think there needs to be more Mm -hmm. good one to two player games but having said that we have the breaking news is that we've successfully play tested a three-player version of both assembly and sensor ghosts we think we could extend assembly to four players as well um not sure about sensor ghosts but yeah, no, it works and it's fun, and um, we'll we'll definitely be including both those three players in the upcoming Kickstarter for them. But it works really well; it's really fun, and again, it's quite different experience. It's um, it each each player count has a slightly different rule, just like one rule tweak, but it makes yeah. it a very different experience. That's awesome. So it's, I like it's that fun. too.
0: I like, I like having a different experience. Uh, you know depending on player count because sometimes you don't you don't get that much variety and stuff like that so it's nice to hear that you know I could play a game you know three players with somebody and then be like you know and I just I really just you know I don't have a lot going on right now and no one's around so maybe I'll just play this by myself and to know that there's the differences there to kind of extend the life of a game so I like that idea
1: yeah no I think it's worked really well and I think it was it was perhaps in part by accident um, but yeah, it's, it's something now that I think it's worth definitely doing because, as you said, it brings more life to it. It gives a slightly different experience, and different people can have different favorite player counts, But it means they're not just the same game. You're getting a slightly new experience, which is fun.
0: So, with your with your first Kickstarter for Assembly, like you guys kind of really uh, blew things out of the water. And you know, for being your first Kickstarter, I'm sure there was a lot of hurdles and stuff like that and a lot of nice things that had happened during it. So what did you learn during your first Kickstarter for Assembly then?
1: Uh, Make sure the preview copies look like your Kickstarter copies. (laughs) (laughs) It's the biggest one. So we sent everything out as mini cards and it's like, oh, I love the mini cards. And then two weeks before we decided to go to Bridge Cards because we realised that we, people we're just people wearing glasses would have more trouble seeing mm. it, people picking it up um, and everything else and and actually the minimum box size that we could get was pretty much the same size no matter what, so if we use big bridge cards or not and so there was quite a bit of a a sort of a pushback saying well why aren't you doing the mini cards so we did a special edition of mini cards um, for the people that really <laughs> wanted them which was a relatively surprising amount but yeah that, that's a definitely one make sure your preview copies look like your final copies in form fa- uh, fit and function that's, that's definitely number one uh, number two make sure you get enough stretch, stretch goals ready because um, you have to plan for success even if you assume failure which is I think the way I prefer if You assume failure when you fail it's not quite as disappointing as, as expecting success or failing um, but you have to plan for success otherwise you can be, be completely screwed <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so yeah, that, that's, that's probably my number one lesson um, number two lesson is um, don't sit refreshing the Kickstarter page all day there's far better mm-hmm. things you can be doing with your time as exciting as it is um, perhaps like, this time I'm going to try to sort of uh, have an allocation of time when I check it, uh, <laughs> rather than just busy sitting there, crash, crash,
0: Yeah,
1: rash. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, the funding code just gone up. <laughs> just t- totally exciting, but a complete waste of time. Actually, we're we halfway through. We got a bit, it was, we sort of just left it, and then we just got a message from um, Steve's brother saying, you realize you funded?" <laughs> and we looked at each other what? <laughs> That's awesome. We just got back from an expo and we're exhausted. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I've done that for, like, people that I know that when they have their Kickstarter going, I'm like, I would do the same thing. I'm like, God, oh, this has got to pick up, you know. I'm like, Why am I doing this? And I'm like, geez, it's got to go back and just relax and just let 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 it all, ha- you know, happen. Because it, you know, it depends. Because <laughs> there's people all over the world during, do, you know, doing things at different times that have a lot of things going. Yeah. So you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, every five seconds somebody's gonna be, you know, backing this project. You know.
1: Yeah, I can say the other thing I think what worked really well is having um, like little micro goals each day looking at the beginning of the day and the previous day and having an aim of where we wanted to be that day Um, and it it gave us a target it gave I think the backers a target and it was sort of having something that's achievable but a slight stretch it just gives you something to work towards every single day but um, don't don't be sort of punish yourself if you don't don't get there but it's definitely gives something to focus on which is really good um that, and that worked really
0: well. So yeah. with Sensor Ghost, this is pretty much a sequel to assembly. and me and Dan have talked about it like we just think that that needs to be a thing that's more prevalent. you know it's just be cool to have you know, oh, hey, this is this kind of game and then you go to this and like this is kind of a you know it's in the same universe, but it's you know it's totally you know go to that kind of thing. So you know, is this something eventually where it'll become a trilogy or is it just you guys are just like, okay, well, these two these two are probably good for now, and then we'll kind of move on.
1: We're probably going to go for a third one. I've already got a working title and a base mechanic. Nice. So it was going to be a different game, and I thought, no, no, no. I I like the format of like the ten to twenty, maybe thirty minute games for low player counts um, and puzzle one. I I think it should work the mechanic um, in that form. So I've I've got something to work around. But I I have a habit now of like parking things until I've got the other thing completed. Um, Because when I had too many things on my go, it was just so. I just didn't get anything done, so I'm, I'm focusing on finishing and have been really strict. So I'm excited about it in the back of my. I want to go give it a try, but I'm not letting myself do it because it's just it'll get in the way of everything else. But yes, um, we wouldn't. It wasn't originally planning to, but a lot on the back I said, "Oh, it'd be lovely. It'd be really good to see like a, a sequel to Assembly." And we thought, "Well, why not?" <laughs> That would be really cool it gives us something to focus around it gives us some design constraints as so we did it and but yeah we think there should be another game so there should be one when you reach Earth what happens when you've reached Earth and, and this virus versus maybe ravage the earth what's actually the outcome of that and uh, that would probably be the premise of the third game
0: nice. so tell us a li- just tell us in summary what assembly is about and then working into how does that work into this new Kickstarter for sensor ghost.
1: So assembly is um, uh, a virus has broken out on a uh, orbital platform. That, funnily enough, it builds spaceships. And you and possibly a friend are uh, the only survivors. Everyone else has succumbed to the virus. The computer on board is, has um, shut down um, all the systems. She's quarantined at the station, basically, and doesn't want you to escape. And she doesn't want to escape so much that she's destroyed all the escape pods, all the escape routes, and has even started to vent all the oxygen. So you have limited time to build a spaceship because luckily, as I said, this is a spaceship factory. And if you can assemble one and you are an assembly line worker of some form, whether that's the requirements manager or the technician on the ground, um, if you can build one, you can escape because she just seems to have missed about this half complete one. Um, so it's all about building a spaceship. Um, but actually, fundamentally, um, it kind of pains me to say, because I didn't think I liked abstract games, but it is actually an abstract game, but with a very strong theme. So it, the theme gives us a really tight space to work with for the mechanics. Like, how is this thematic to the game? Okay, it's not thematic to the games, so we can't include that. Or if we want to include it, well, how can we make this thematic? And So the aim there is to make every mechanic Tied to, the, tied to the theme so that you should do what's intuitive based on the story and your understanding of the story and that's kind of our design philosophy is that you do stuff that's intuitive so you've got to build the ship which is the mechanics is basically moving tokens around cars which sounds so boring really <laughs> but the computer's out to get you and she changes things up and um, messes with your plans and it's um, I think someone described it I think the best way for uh, all audio- audible way to describe it is it's, it's kind of like a Rubik, Rubik's Cube in board game form mm. I think that's probably a relatively good description and I like mm. that one because I think that one gives a bit a bit more visual so you're, you're moving you're rotating things you're swapping tokens and then every now and again everything gets picked up scrapped and you've got to start again nice. before you run out of oxygen Sensor um, Ghosts is that you've built your ship and you're now on it however just as you think you've made your escape The sensors are starting to glitch and you'll get it. What you see isn't necessarily what is actually there. So the computer has somehow got on board your ship. She's hacked your sensors and now you can't be certain what's in front of you. So there's a certain kind of probability of what's what's there. And when I say probability, I'll say gut feel. So you don't know what's there. So you need to navigate your way through a sort of an asteroid field to get back to Earth. But you don't know which sectors of space actually contain asteroids, which ones are safe, or which ones are going to have cause your systems to malfunction and just push you forward. So you've got to try and get from A to B, essentially, which, again, sounds really, really boring, but you have no idea what is between A and B. You can only see what's on top of the cards. But through using what's in your hand, you can start looking underneath, and every time you move, you flip a card over, and you look at the back, and that's what happens. And now people say, I hate memory games. And I'll tell you, me and you hate memory <laughs> games. So um, there's... <laughs> we do not have the mind with having sort of an 18 o'clock and a coming-up four-year-old to uh, sort of 9 o'clock at night to hold much information in our minds anymore. So I can say that there is some memory in that. But if you're having to remember more than four cards, um, you're probably... that that's a lot. You, you generally only have to remember between sort of one and three and their rough position. But the movement is always predictable and um, so you know exactly where things are going or where they've gone so you can do a lot of planning and it's about planning and strategizing your route and then executing it before it's too late um essentially and yeah so I call it a moving maze puzzle with hidden information is sort of by my, my description of it um whether that's right or not uh time will tell but that's my <laughs> best description
0: that's perfect and I love, I love the theme through both of these games is that this computer is, you know, no matter where you go, this computer is gonna probably come with you and is out to get you. And also yeah. that there's this this looming virus that you can't get away from either because now in this sensor ghost, now they're like, we need a sample of this game or don't come back. <laughs> it's like, it's like, um, yeah, it's we are we just survived this virus killing everyone, so can we just go home? You know, I like that whole like. Like whoever, whoever's in charge of this, running this space program is just like, we don't care about you. We just, we just want this, we we just really want this virus so we can help get a cure for it, you know?
1: Yeah, but, but think about the computer. I mean, maybe she's right. Maybe you, you as the player were actually the yeah, baddie. that
0: is true. That is true.
1: Because, you know, I mean, if everyone else is dead, that might mean you're a carrier.
0: Yeah, that is true. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, I like that idea. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> So, so the space horror, th- ish kind of theme, you know, was that something you guys had in the back of your head? Was did it start off as something else, and then you kind of morphed it into this thing? You know, how did that all start?
1: It started as something completely different and very dry.
0: <laughs> um, so,
1: my background is in engineering and project management. Well, engineering and then into project management, and I'm used to it with customers that continually change their requirements. Um, so in assembly uh, each time you go through the deck you pick up all the cards which basically detail the requirements of your ship you shuffle them up and then you put them back down again unless you've already fixed them so basically it was, uh, if you're thinking about a project progressing forward you're, as you're going along you're ticking things off as done but there's lots of stuff undone and anything that's undone could be changed and uh, in a project that often happens and that's what it's simulating, it's simulating a project <laughs> in its life cycle that uh, someone comes in. oh, I've changed my mind, I don't really want that there anymore or I want that, I oh, know I said I wanted that blue, I've changed my mind, I want it yellow. It's it's that kind of thing and that's where the original idea came from but I thought that was a pretty boring theme. <laughs> so we, put, we, we love sci-fi so we, we laid a, a sci-fi theme over the top of it and then used that to develop it a bit more into what you see today.
0: Yeah, which which makes sense because it, you know, you don't want to make a game seem like a job because we we all have <laughs> jobs and we all don't want to make yeah. that a th- another thing that we do. This is, you know, this is this is a hobby. You know, we want to kind of relax and stuff like that. One of the things I like with Sensor Ghost Two is that depending upon where you focus your direction is kind of fits the theme of the game. It's like you have to play certain cards where they're going in a certain direction, or you have to change that direction and stuff like that. I like that you kind of have to work your way there so it kind of has a interesting like programming aspect to it you know where you can kind of add stuff like that i like that also you can do that peak command which is the memory thing and that's the first it's funny that you commented on that cuz it's the first thing i thought of is i have a terrible memory you know it's like i think i think life has pretty much just destroyed my memory i mean i'm sure games have kind of helped that because there's a lot of things you have to remember when you're playing board games and stuff like that, but man, I like that you have these three memory cubes that you can use to be like, okay, we obviously don't want to go that way because, you know, that's danger, you know, so I like that you added that because I'm sure there would be a point where I'd be like, I have to, like, I have to write something down if it didn't have that, you know, so I yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, so generally, um, the, there's a sort of a certain probability that the back's the same as the, front and the, the I also added in so the the back and the front of the cards are subtly different the idea is it's not in your face but it's there when you look but it's not you don't have to look really hard so then you know which ones you've flipped and then you therefore you can use your strategy to minimize memory so I'm I'm not going to tell you what my strategy is but I use a strategy where that I know if I flipped it it is a certain thing pretty much and then when you choose to flip things, you can use your strategy and then you don't actually really need to remember anything other than, ah, oh, oh, I have flipped these ones, therefore it must be that on the back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are different strategies. And then, as you said, the ones that you say, like, don't go there, that's what your cubes for because then you don't have to keep track of it. You can just put it on, forget about it and look on there and you've got a good visual key. So th- as I said, that's, there's a couple of them that you might need to remember, but in general, it's, um, there are ways within the game to minimise the memory aspect. And uh, yeah, the, the cognitive burden of, <laughs> as often said in work.
0: Yeah, 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 you have got you've got that uh, deep scan that you know allows you to flip any one sector or shift a row uh, left one sector too. like that. It's it, you know again, it's just it has that awesome little you know programming thing where you can kind of tinker and kind of you know maneuver yourself to get to where you want to go. But yeah, it just it just seems like it has a good a good flow to it. As far as what I've read, of course I haven't played it yet, but like, it, it's nice when you read something like you were able to, you know, uh, give me a, uh, a copy of the instructions so I could kind of come up with some questions, you know? And sometimes when you read instructions of a game right away, you go, I don't know how that's going to work. You know, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it, it's not that people are, are bad at, at, at writing the instructions for it. It's just sometimes things click and some things, t- sometimes some things don't. So I like the clear-cut aspect of, you know, telling you, you know, these are the things that you can do. You have some sample play things off to the side, too, that show you a whole turn. So if you have any questions on what you're doing, it has that. I feel like I feel like every game, regardless if it's a small box company or a big box company, needs at least one sample that kind of shows you, you know, how you're going to play this game because, you know, not everybody's going to get that on the first read. You know, I, yeah. I'm one of those people that's like that too. You know, I'll, I'll and it's funny cause I, I feel like I'll even hurt our group when I do that, because then I'll be like, um, I don't get this. And then I'll be like, well, isn't it like this? And they'll be like, no, wait a minute. Is it like that? You know, I'm like, oh no, did I just ruin something that totally could have been simple? I don't know.
1: No, I think examples are important, uh, but with a slightly like different, different player count, it's about prioritizing which example to put in as well. So I'll. So i see why I put one in, <laughs> but yeah. So a, yeah, example and assembly um, was sort of quite a bit, a big section of the um, of the rule book, um, having different examples, different plays, sort of trying to show every different outcome that you could have to remove all the cl- uh, to put the clarity in there, hopefully, so that you didn't have to write sort of a thousand rules. You could do it hopefully with four examples.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I also love how you how you guys are including uh, some variants in this game too so to kind of mix it up a little bit too, so the play is not not this you know very similar each time and stuff like that. So is that is that something that you look for when you're when you're making your games? Is it something where you're like, okay, we need to do a, at least a little bit of a couple of tweaks to kind of keep this going, or is it just something that just was happenstance for these games?
1: I it's essentially it's all the stuff that I kick out during playtesting for some reason or other. So it's um it's if I I you need to decide on. Uh, difficulty level two, which is your standard um, and uh, yeah so there's difficulty variants, it says there's stuff that I've taken out because I wanted to reduce the difficulty or stuff that I, because I wanted to increase the difficulty and they work perfectly well it just didn't have the right middle of the road difficulty that I wanted and it just seems a shame just to chuck them in the bin when I know some people will want a harder variant and other people will want an easier variant so why not tell them what I know works and has been play tested, and let them decide how to do it and in terms of we've got a little skate pod variant on it as well so it really mixes things up a little bit it it wasn't there and I thought something was missing so then I added it and some people found it too complex particularly on the first few games so we decided to the base game worked really well on its own and so we added it as a variant for people that want it on its own but that adds a new challenge in that it for the skate pod it's the top of the cards that matters, and for you it's the bottom of the cards that matters. And they move slightly differently, but with the same cards that you play. So whatever card you play, both move according to that card, but not necessarily the same. So it's like you've got to try and get both of them there, but every card you play has a secondary reason of play it, and the cards, the movement cards, now have, um, rather than just being about 50% of the deck looking the same is now split into three different types of cards because they each have different movement values for the escape pod which could essentially kill you
0: because <laughs> you,
1: you, could, you, you couldn't live with yourself if that person in the escape pod actually died but now you no, under your hands that you directed them into their death
0: yeah or if you're the bad person and you're like well i don't really care what's happening with them well obviously you wouldn't be
1: well I, well I was not gonna let you laugh because yeah you, you, you deliberately killed an escape
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's just it adds an extra variant and um for me i'm i much prefer that variant but having done playtesting particularly in the early games people really struggled to getting both lots in their head at the same time particularly when you've got a bit of a memory aspect so we felt it was better like when you you've got good at the first game added in just like an assembly of malfunctions it gives you that extra little bit of variety in there that it means that it's a game that you can just keep playing again and again which is something that's really quite important to us we like games that have that replayability and small little things like that can add such new life to it. It's just um, it's why, why not
0: do it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean it then it, it doesn't, you know, take up a large grandiose space, but it, you know, it helps that it helps that game move on, which is which is awesome. I love that. So, pretty much have pretty much done with all the questions I have for this game. It sounds awesome. I love the space theme. That's just always something I've always dug. Let's talk about pricing. What can we expect people to pay for this and then what can we expect for shipping within Europe and within uh, outside Europe?
1: so we are just at in the finalizing exactly pricing um we are looking at around the 25-ish pounds mark for Sensor ghost um shipping will be the same as last campaign for the uk which will be two pounds um for within the uk pretty much for anything up to Kilos, um, given that it's a game that weighs 300 grams, you can buy a lot of them. (laughs) Um, For everyone else, I uh, I can't remember exactly what the shipping is. It's um, a little bit higher than last time, but we're using a plan to use a different fulfillment center, as uh, we had a few issues last time and we decided to go with uh, quality rather than price. So um, it probably will not be much more, if not the same as what it would ship an eternal parcel within the US. So it shouldn't really be a big shock in terms of it. it's not like it's going to be twenty five pounds. It should be below the ten pounds mark for anywhere in the world, is what we're looking at um, for the base game. But uh, I guess a pretty good kept secret at the moment is that this Kickstarter is actually a double Kickstarter. It's um, we're also releasing an expansion for Assembly in it, um, and it's not actually just an expansion. It's a double expansion. Nice. So we call it We Sequence and Override, um, and that uh, adds completely new challenges and. Completely refreshes the game assembly in two new ways and if you've got really good at assembly and you've got certain win strategies I'm going to tell you those win strategies will make you lose in these two uh, in this expansion <laughs> each of them will kill a win strategy and if you do it in one of them you will actually likely die before you run out of cards you won't actually be able to complete the puzzle <laughs> um, so yeah we've got two, two new ones and uh, we're also getting um, robot meeples uh, made up um, so it's little printed uh, meeples with robots on them which uh, interfere with all your plans and uh, join in on the assembly line and disrupt your ability to uh, build the ship on is, is override and the resequence part is that you actually have to build your spaceship in order so you can't just um, lock down the bays anywhere on boards which is normally you can just decide like anyone's so this one you have to choose your first one and then every single one there has to be sequential from that point on but there's lots of different like tweaks to the rules that um, make it a lot more interesting so you can actually interact with the token stack which is the tokens in the middle so the stuff that you haven't actually put on the board yet actually become part of it that you can start using and playing with so it adds a really new dynamic to the game and uh, some of the feedback I've had from playtesters is that they would never go back to the base game that they love it so much so um, yeah, so (laughs) that's a really good kept secret that I've got to probably publicise a bit more but yeah, it's actually a double Kickstarter and um, if you love Assembly, um, go for that as well so that's going to be around the 15-ish pounds mark, because it's pretty much, it's almost at pretty much the same level of game content as Assembly, but it gives you, in terms of physical number of cards and stuff, um, but yeah, um, that's going to be coming in the same campaign as well, so um, I hope I haven't set, set ourselves up to fame, <laughs> um, but I was, I, I just couldn't really face running two Kickstarters, and uh, we only do one a year, so we thought this was a, a good way that if you haven't got much money at the moment and want something then you've got an expansion if you the new the newest thing now then we've also got the sense of ghost as well and if you want everything then that's fine yeah
0: too. yeah that's awesome that's good i like that so you can get you can get the first movie and the second movie together play it together it'll be awesome <laughs> i call it a movie because yeah. yeah, that's what and, i think And I'm
1: obviously true. assembly will be available as well on uh, of starts, course so you be able to get a copy of assembly english's um
0: if you need to, yeah, exactly. Get it all. That's what I say. It's yeah. fa- f- yeah, fairly yeah, inexpensive. Yeah, you get a lot of game. Uh, it sounds great. I. It sounds amazing. So May twenty eighth, correct?
1: Yes, that's uh, yeah. Not long now. Um, yeah, that's long. crunch time. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: not to make you nervous or anything. Uh, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure it will. It, it. I've I've heard nothing but great things about Assembly, so I'm I'm excited. I am excited to see what happens with Sensor Ghost. So thank you to Janice for coming on. Appreciate you coming on, talking to us about this.
1: Thank you so much. It was it was fun.
0: <laughs> Besides that, is there anything else on the horizon? Or if there's nothing else on the horizon, how can people contact you or help support uh, what you're doing right now.
1: Uh so we have an app for assembly on Android and iOS, so you can go to our website and get that. If you find a bug, please tell us because it's just been developed in-house by Stu, so he's the app producer. He is at the moment just started developing the app for Sensor Ghosts. So we hope to have we will have availability for beta testing. Um so if you want to keep track on that then run out to our mailing list or low no pledge on the Kickstarter. Um, we'll get you all the updates to know how to get onto the beta testing. Um, and last time, every beta tester that gave us decent feedback got a free app at the end. So um, <laughs> if that's not encouragement enough. Uh, what else? Sorry, I'm rambling now, aren't I? <laughs> uh, website is www.rengames.co.uk. Uh, that's Ren Like the Bird with a W. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Ren Games. Um, or if you want to talk more to me rather than just listen to about announcements and stuff, then I'm at Dravin, which is D R A V I N, and I mostly hang out on Twitter.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again to Janice for coming on and talking about it. Hi. Hi.
1: And if anyone has played Assembly and uh, ever played the character Amelie, that was what oh, just heard.
0: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Mommy. All right, so make sure you go on on Kickstarter May 28th. Make sure you kick, uh, pick up Censored Ghost by Ren Games. And again, thanks to Janice for coming on. Mommy. And until next time, I'm Kurt, Mommy. and this was the MFG cast. Thanks for listening.
1: Legends of Tabletop Podcast, creating legends one die at a time.